Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome everybody to day, what day is coming up? Day 12 of the Walk and Talk Challenge. Uh, today we have a special topic and special guest for you. Um, and I can't wait to, to talk with her. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to let you all know that we are doing the 21 day challenge in conjunction with our annual run for autism. Due to the coronavirus, we decided to take it virtually this year. We still have an opportunity to sign up the entire month of November. We will be supporting breakthroughs through our walk and talk challenges. And if you're uh, an avid runner or walker and want to get involved, you can do that by going to www.runsignup.com and typing in the search engine autism breakthroughs. And it will take you to our page and a link to uh, sign up for our challenge uh, and to sign up for our race. So thank you for doing that if you've already done it. If you haven't done it yet, then it's still time. Um, forgive me, I'm out walking today, and they have the uh, industrial leaf blowers on. So hopefully I'll be past that pretty quickly. But we're doing this walking talk challenge um, to show our support and solidarity for the adults with autism and adults with autism spectrum. Um, often uh, they're forgotten about. They're forgotten about in the media. Uh, and what we're talking about today, um, they've been forgotten about in medical research. Uh, for some of the for some of the health issues that we so often that culture. So we were gonna talk about that. But uh before we do that, I wanna introduce myself. I don't think I did that already. I'm Kingery Colbert, the executive director of Washington and I have with me today Warren Vaughn. She is our individual health and individual rights coordinator. Uh, at Brighton. Lauren, are you there? Hey, I am here. Hey. You're breaking up. I'm breaking up. You're breaking up. Can we get back together? <laughs> oh, keep talking. I think I think it's getting better as we go along. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, Hey Lauren. Hey Lauren, you're yeah. still breaking up on my end. Me or the Let me let me make sure I'm not on Wi Fi here. Um that might be the problem. All right. Say something else and see how how that goes. Are you able to hear now? Uh no. Are you are you connected on the phone or do you mean? I'm sorry. Are you connected uh on a cell phone or a landline or some Zoom? Um on my cell phone. Let me see if I get off line. Okay. Is that anything? No. Let's try it again. Count back with the ten. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Four, three, two, one. Okay. 
okay? I missed five, but everything else was good. Can you hear me okay? Um, it's static. Let me, let me see. Let's try it real quick. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Any better? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. Well, we'll just, we'll just make this happen, okay? We'll keep going. Um, and if I can't hear you, then we'll just uh, say, hey, can you repeat that and move on? Um, so, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's great. Um, people who were diagnosed are reaching that older age. Uh, unfortunately, most of the research right now that we see is aimed at children, and only 2% of all the research out there is dedicated to adults, and even most of that is aimed at young adults. So there's very little research to show us what needs arise as adults with autism age. So we yeah. have a big opportunity here to kind of do more research on that and see uh, what we can do better and basically what our healthcare systems can do better. Uh, but it's, it's a very exciting opportunity for us. Yeah, so. it definitely is. It definitely is. So how did you get, get into this field? Like, what's your background? <laughs> what do you do now? So I was getting my, my psychology degree at the University of Tennessee when I saw the tiniest little ad in our school newspaper asking if people were interested in working with adults with autism. And at the time, I was in retail and it wasn't fulfilling for me. And I definitely wanted to do something that was more in line with my interests. So I came to Breakthrough and started out doing direct support, uh, worked my way up from there to case management and incident management. And uh, I'm I've been in my current position for, it's getting close to two years now. So I've had a great opportunity to see uh, more of the medical side of it and what all goes along with that. Awesome. Shout out to the Daily Beacon for job opportunities. I love that, that paper. Yeah. <laughs> and congratulations to you as well. You've, you've definitely made a huge contribution to Autism Breakthrough and to the people that we support over the years. So that has been amazing to, to, to um, not only uh, work with you, but also um, grow along with you as the, as the organization grows. So that's been fun. Um, so what do you want to talk about first? <laughs> um, well, I say that it's been fun for me too, uh, being in this field and especially having the, you know, every bit of my experience being with Breakthrough because I've gotten to know, you know, the people that we support long-term and I've been able to see them grow. And it's been, it's given me a unique perspective from that, from that point of view. Uh, so I really am. I'm invested in this topic. I know that we support right now young adults, but you know, as we support them for longer, they're going to become you know older adults, and we're going to have to figure out new ways to support them. So I'm very excited to be part of the narrative on what that looks like for us and for the people that we support. Awesome, uh, awesome. So yeah. 
Yeah, we we did start out with some a pretty young population, but now we're seeing, I guess, people in their 30s, mid-30s, early 40s, um, and we're experiencing some things that there's just nothing out there to give us, a, or very little out there to kind of give us a roadmap of where we're going and what we need to do and what we need to be looking for. Um, and so, you know, when we're facing these issues, we're just pouring over this information, trying to glean all that we can so that we can better support um, the people um, in, in our services, the adults with autism. So what are some of the common um you know, issues, health issues that you typically see um, in the adults that you support? Well, generally, I saw a statistic that about 50 to 84 percent of people with autism have at least one other physical or mental health condition. Um, Mm -hmm. The big ones we tend to see are the seizure disorders or epilepsy. Uh, We see a lot of obsessive compulsive disorder, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, um, depression and anxiety are a major factor for uh, a lot of different reasons. Uh, and then w- one study that I saw too said that as uh, people age with autism, they also have a 200% uh, more likely chance to see Parkinson-like syndromes. So there's a lot of things that go along with it. There are long-term effects of psychotropics that are t- uh, typically used with autism, uh, such as like the, like, the epilepsy meds. There are only a, like a handful of medications that are directed towards specifically autism and things that go along with it. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the highest one of them were spiridone, but they can also see that the long-term effects of being on the psychotropics will have lasting effects on people's health. So it's almost a catch-22 that, people are prescribing these medications, but they may be also doing damage over time. So over time, we see sort of, um, I think some of the things are loss in motor function. Um, Mm. And if you think about the neurological basis of autism, a lot of times you're like, oh man, okay, there's these genetic markers and there are these environmental things and these, you know, uh, medical um, interventions that we do to fix the problem on the front end, um, but then in, you know, 20 years, um, there are these terrible side effects that go along with it. So um, interesting. What what other kinds of things do you see um, from the from the the conditions that that um, resemble Parkinson's? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a lot of Parkinson's has to do with the neurological or neuro. Um, processing seeds and everything like that. It involves um, dopamine levels and everything, but they've seen that there's a potentially a genetic basis for a link between autism and those same traits. So I don't like, again, where we don't have enough research to show us what that looks like in older age. Like, I wish I had more information about what that looks like for people, but, you know, we're all just sort of scratching the surface of the trajectory of all of these different things. Yeah. So, and that goes back to the history, too, um, because autism, you know, really didn't gain momentum uh, and popularity in the English-speaking world until, like, you know, the 80s or so when we were getting it into the DSM, we're getting it into uh, the mainstream, but the focus was on children. And so there are so many adults um, who have been 
um, who have not been diagnosed or have been misdiagnosed throughout their lifetime. And, you know, they'll say, oh, there's ADHD, there's OCD, there's other things. But in actuality, it's autism. And we need to um, recognize some of those things and, and make sure that that treatment is out there uh, or that diagnostic help is out there um, for those things. I put on the on the email this morning a link to um, Spark. They came to visit us uh, about a year ago, maybe two years ago. Um, and they were doing research um, on autism, and they particularly wanted to connect with adults with autism because there is not a lot of research out there, just like you said. Um, so they're doing that. I think our local spark um, is at the uh, Vanderbilt University, um, and they are doing quite uh, extensive research. So if you're interested in that, um, take the link in the action steps on the email this morning um, to learn a little bit more about what they're doing. Um, and it may not be something that benefits you, um, but it will benefit other adults on the spectrum in the long run. So mm-hmm. just a plug there for linkage. Spark what else? I love them. Um, Do you like Spark? Them. I love Spark. Uh, they have a lot of adaptive resources that they specialize for people. And I just think that the work that they do is great. Um, but like you were talking about, the big focuses are, you know, people weren't maybe diagnosed early on or they were misdiagnosed. Uh, one of the major things that people were misdiagnosed uh, was as having schizophrenia. So mm. weren't necessarily yeah. getting the supports they needed or the accurate uh, medications or diagnosis or whatever goes along with it because there wasn't a lot of information about it. And unfortunately, uh, that's still sort of the case with all the research being with children. Uh, we don't really look or know what later life autistic traits and diagnosis looks like. So there aren't a lot of tests out there because they are mainly focused on what does autism look like in children. So there are a lot of people out there who still don't have that diagnosis. And unfortunately, what that means is they don't have access to the, the correct social or healthcare supports that they would need to go along with that. Mm. So not having that diagnosis, um, what are some of the things to look for? Like when you think of um, epilepsy, which, which is common, uh, ADHD, um, fragile X, sleep disorder, gastro issues, um, anxiety, um, some of those things. What what are some of the things that um, that people can look for if they're experiencing some of these um, issues or that are common with some of the adults with autism that you support? Right. So the issue is that a lot of these different things will kind of compound on each other. And so mm-hmm. you'll sort of overlap with the severity of the different disorders or symptoms uh, that go along with it. One of the big things that we'll see is a lifestyle that also adds to those medical conditions like a sedentary lifestyle, poor eating habits that long-term will result in those major just flat-out medical issues like heart disease, uh, the potential for strokes, uh, everything that goes along with that. So um, it's, it's very important to me that we get a very good grasp on, you know, what this looks like early on so that we can kind of focus on how do we prevent some of these major medical issues from happening in the future too. Okay. Okay. So mm-hmm. when you talk about the, the 
medical issues compounding on itself, my mind goes to, you know, um, sometimes when you see people engaging in stimulating behaviors, um, there's some anxiety there. There's some, some, um, uh, something that needs to happen, right? Something that's going on with that person, whether it's something that they enjoy or something that they're doing to calm themselves, whatever right. the case may be. And that, you know, if that's an anxious response um, that we see for some people, it increases your cortisol levels, um, you're stressed out, you your heart's beating fast. Um, it's just It's just exacerbating some physical health issues that we don't always take into consideration um, when we're seeing a behavior, like what that's doing on a, on a molecular level, on a, you know, experiential level from body functioning. Right. So what are, what are some, what are some strategies that people can use to, or people can try to employ, um, to make sure that they are cognizant of the health effects um, and that they are taking steps to um, maybe alleviate some of those or, or not fall into that statistical category. Mm-hmm. Well, that was loaded. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> I kind of have to look at kind of the root of the problem. I mean, anxiety is, you know, one of the the main diagnoses that somebody with autism might also have. Uh, there's a lot of other reasons for the anxiety. I mean, we see, I, I don't know if you know what masking is, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, for women, they, women do that quite a lot. A hundred percent. They. I don't know if you know, but there's one man diagnosed with autism for every, sorry, one female diagnosed for every uh, four males because females do tend to um, have a different presentation or they're better at masking the different traits. Uh, so they often go undiagnosed, but, you know, when you're trying to be inauthentic to yourself and it does put a lot of pressure on you and it causes a lot of stress. And I think that, you know, the more awareness that we have and the more acceptance that we have, uh, I think that we will see hopefully some of that go away and people, you know, just being accepted who they are and, you know, acknowledging that that's, you know, still that's, that's who they are and it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is a good thing. I I always say the world needs more uh, people with autism because it makes you be authentic. Um, and to even think that, you know, in their efforts to communicate with us, neurotypical people who have trouble communicating a lot of times um, with each other, um, let alone someone who communicates differently um, it, it causes a lot of undue pressure. Um, so as advocates, you know, thinking of the pressure that we put on others to communicate the way we like, we, we, we may need to take a step back um, and just think about, okay, what's this person facing? Let me put my step, my feet in their shoes um, mm-hmm. and, and walk around for a little bit and try um, to see how much, how difficult that is. It's like, you know, being in a foreign land and not knowing anyone and not speaking the language and having completely different customs, right? So, uh, and how stressful that could be and how harmful that stress could be on your body. Tell me something else, Lauren. Tell me. <laughs> teach me. Teach me, teach me. What else do you see a lot of times? Or, or, 
Yeah, well, I think that some of the challenges challenges that we see are, um, in general, people that are aging, especially over 50, you're already going to see cognitive difficulties um, as people age. Uh, the rate of dementia is extremely high. Uh, you see processing speed go down, memory, the executive functions, uh, just general intellectual disability, which, you know, in turn will affect your, your psychological function and even just your general well-being. So what that looks like for autism, too, is that you're already seeing a lot of these issues. Um, they're con- a lot of times they're considered premature, prematurely cognitively old because of the different processing issues and executive functions that, you know, maybe are lacking in some areas. So a lot of times what that's going to do is it also affects more demanding activities like looking for employment or um, something just as small as remembering to take your medications. So uh, to me, it becomes increasingly important, you know, as we look at this population and uh, what we can do better is how do we offer those supports And one of the big things that I really enjoyed uh, listening to is all the information out there about assistive technology, Mm -hmm. especially um, I had the opportunity to sit in on a meeting the other day and there's, there are just so many options out there now that we didn't have, you know, two, three, five, 10 years ago. And they're really improving the, the independence that comes along with, you know, kind of growing older and not necessarily needing somebody to uh, come along and be a specific caretaker, but helping people live independent lives and, you know, getting a better sense of self from that. Um, wow. That's, very- that's, that's good. Um, and I really hadn't considered very much, you know, we say, okay, we're going to work on dealing with an aging population, but envisioning what that looks like because if you think about you know what nursing homes look like right now they're not the place for people in residential settings uh, with autism you know in my mind correct me if I'm wrong um, but just making uh, making inroads for the aging adult population what what do you think that looks like what's what's the the vision for that where do we go where are we going to be in 20 years uh, that is such a great question. Honestly, uh, I really think that there's going to be a, a much bigger focus put on what those supports look like. Uh, I looked at some numbers, and it looks like over the next decade, we're going to have about 100 million people with autism enter adulthood. And mm. so I think that there's going to have to be a big realization that you know autism doesn't end at 18. And as we have that older population and we have better diagnosis, then we're going to have to face or, you know, the country is going to have to face, the government's going to have to face the fact that, you know, these people do need specialized support. And, you know, we don't necessarily know what that looks like now, but, you know, hopefully it's going to be dealing a lot with, you know, the quality of life and, you know, what, what does that look like for people? Yeah, I agree 100%. It de- we definitely need to shift our focus from, um, you know, curing things and, um, you know, treating as children, um, but improving the quality of life over someone's lifetime, making sure that, you know, insurance policies still allow for some of these services and supports um, that we see 
uh, adults on the spectrum need, especially due to the comorbidities that occur mm-hmm. and, and some of the typical, um, you know, brain function loss that, that you're saying that statistically they see an increased level of. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just not enough out there right now to say one way or the other, okay, we need to do this activity so that we can um, decrease the effects of early onset dementia or mm-hmm. so that we can uh, maintain our motor functioning throughout our lifetime, you know, those kinds of things. So, wow. Wow. That's, that's definitely good information to know. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, they've shown that even with neurotypical people, uh, the better social support they they have, the better, you know, their outcomes and, you know, the better quality of life that they have, you know? Yeah. Let's, let's talk more about the social supports because, you know, typically um, adults with autism, uh, you know, the stereotypically even, um, you know, it's said that they don't, they prefer singular activities and don't like to socialize with groups. But um, what we found at Breakthrough is that for the most part, it's quite the opposite, that people want to engage, that people want to have meaningful connections with other people, um, which should have been a aha, duh moment, but you know, with with all the literature that's out there, it doesn't lend itself to that answer. So, can you talk a little bit more about um, the importance of social relationships? Absolutely, and health. Uh, yeah. Well, again, like as they can see in neurotypical, I mean, the better your circle of support, the better your social life. You know, the more people that you have in your corner. Uh, the better you're going to do overall. And, you know, unfortunately, for a long time, what we've seen is that, the, you know, the adults with autism have an extremely small social support circle. A lot of times it's their parents as caregivers and as their parents age and, you know, move on and everything, a lot of times people will lose their entire support system. And then, you know, you see a, a massive decline in people's ability to take care of themselves and, you know, the quality of life, um, especially an increase in the anxiety and depression that we were talking about. So, you know, the more focus that we can put on expanding people's so- or social supports, uh, the better outcome we're going to see overall. I love it. Love it. So what do we as advocates need to do? What can we do to uh, make the difference? Moving forward, what do you recommend? <laughs> I love what Judy Berkshire said in your podcast. She said that, you know, it's so important to find like-minded people because there are strength in numbers. And so the more focus that we put on, you know, the concerns that come along with aging and the unknown and the bigger focus we put on, you know, the, the need for more research in this area and to find more supports and offer more supports, I think the better we're going to do overall. All right. That was awesome, Lauren. Is there anything else um, you'd like to share with us today? Do we Ooh. miss anything? Ah, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't have anything off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. Well, that was that was good. I think I think we're good. Um, that definitely sparked within me uh, a desire to go and do a little bit more research and ask a few more questions. And even when you know, in appointments and medical appointments for the people with autism, 
you know, what, what should they be asking their doctors? Is there anything that, um, they should yeah. say? To... Honestly, that's a really great question because what they see a lot of times is that, you know, physicians, um, aren't really specialists in that area. And, a lot of times they're not even quite sure what, you know, the, the needs might necessarily be, uh, particularly because of the communication struggles that we, we see a lot of time. About 40% of people with autism have difficulties in communication. So um, that goes along strongly with having that support system to be able to help communicate and, you know, describe what some of the needs might be and some of these things that we want to be looking out for. Uh, as people age. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. So do your research. Be well-versed in what's going on. Be observant. Be a friend. Be a support person. Make sure that you're connected. If you haven't connected with a, a group of friends or a small group of friends and family that can be along with you for this journey we call life, uh, It'll go a long way. It'll go a long way for your uh, mental health, your physical health, and your overall well-being. So thank you, Lauren, once again for um, hanging out with us today and educating us a little bit on some of the medical comorbidities that we see with adults with autism as they age. I learned a lot. I got to go learn some more <laughs> because of you. Um, but but we needed that. We We definitely needed that. Um, so to all of our listeners, I hope you've heard a word today. Um, and don't forget that we are doing this walk and talk in November, um, in conjunction with our annual run for autism. It's virtual this year. You can sign up on runsignup.com slash autism breakthrough or, um, put an autism breakthrough in your search engine. Um, and also, if you post your walk or run today, um, please include the hashtags 21 for 21, Breakthrough is 21 years old this year, and hashtag Autism Breakthrough. We would love to share and repost your post um, to, to spread the word. So, yeah, grab someone to join and have some fun. Y'all have a great week. Thank you, Kim Therese.